Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host, Vince Peart. Once again, I am joined by my co-host, Tilly Baden. Tilly, my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello, everyone. Um, it's been a really busy week, actually, for me. Um, we're at work. We're preparing for for our annual Mental Capacity Act conference, which is taking place on Tuesday next week. So it is a mad panic at the moment in our team to get everything lined up because we've got some keynote speakers. I'm doing a presentation. Everyone in my team's doing like a short little um, uh, presentation as well. Um, so it is a bit manic at work, I have to say. It's, um, it's coming up to our, our most exciting day of the year on the 28th of February. So a um, little plug for myself. If anyone wants to join our Mental Capacity Act conference, tickets are free. Um, just drop me a message on Twitter at MCA Dorset. And um, yeah, you can come along to our conference. We've got a top barrister doing it. We've got a top blogger. And like I said, myself and the team. Um, it's a really, really exciting time. So it's all about the conference at the moment. That is the only thing going on in my brain. Um, is this conference in person or is it online? It's online. Although if you work for the local authority where I work, you can obviously um, come along in person, but it's all virtual. So people could follow the at MCA Dorset Twitter handle they can go on there and they can sign up and it's a day of online learning on Tuesday which would be the 27th of February 28th 28th of February I would come across if I wasn't working simply because as as we found out many many times on this show Tilly my knowledge of adult social work is is shocking you know this this is where you outshine me because you do know about children's social work because you've been a children's social worker for a year I in my entire career as a social worker, I've only ever met two adult social workers. I've only ever had two families that I've supported where one of the parents has had an adult social worker allocated to them. And I have to go back 12 years to try and remember some of the learning on my university master's programme about adult social work. And I imagine a fair bit has changed since then. So I would have genuinely like the opportunity to come across so yeah I'm sure it'll be a a smashing success thank you yeah well it will be recorded as well so people can go back and watch bits on YouTube Uh, we'll put all of the details on our Twitter page Um, but how have you been How, how are things going for you it's I'm off to Wembley this weekend to watch Newcastle United in the League Cup final oh exciting yeah yeah Uh, We are playing Manchester United. It is the first time we have been in a domestic cup final since 1999, when I was 15 years old. That's how long ago. Uh, How old are you in 1999, Tilly? Five. Five. So the last (laughs) time Newcastle United made it to a domestic cup final, which is the FA Cup final, which was also against Manchester United. We lost that year. So, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm lucky to have a ticket. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm staying and how I'm going down yet. Um, I've got some work down the country anyway on Thursday and Friday. So I'll likely stay halfway down the country, then make my way into London area for the Saturday and Sunday, then back up 
for work on Monday. Um, aside from that, the only other thing I've been doing, and this will excite you, I have been playing the brand new Harry Potter computer game. Have you heard of it, Tilly? Wow, I have heard of it, but um, I mean, myself, I'm I'm not a gamer. I don't well know much about things like that, but I have heard of the Harry Potter game. So, how's it going? What oh, what's oh. the what's the premise? I don't know. Is it like a story or? So it's amazing. So it's called Hogwarts Legacy. Yeah. It's set in the late 19th century, about 1890, and you are a fifth year student who starts in year five. So, you know, I, I don't know how that works, really. It, it hasn't really explained that backstory yet. You just dropped in. You're like, right, I'm a brand new student. I'm starting in the fifth year. And one of the first things you do after you've done a sort of tutorial where you fight a few, um, you get involved in like a, the Goblin Rebellion and you fight some monsters in Gringotts, um, you then get sorted and it is unbelievable. What house do you think I got sorted into? Now, you don't choose your house. I'm going to be clear. You, you don't actively choose. It doesn't give you an option of what house. You have to answer certain questions, and it puts you in a house corresponding to your answers to those questions. What house do you think they put me in? Oh, no. Well, we said that when you did the Pottermore sorting quiz, you were Gryffindor, but I mm -hmm. think you're more of a Slytherin. So I'm going to say Slytherin. Exactly right. I slithered into yes. Slytherin. <laughs> Head out of ten. I can judge your personality definitely. But, I'm, um, it's my special skill. I should put yeah. that on my resume. No, do, do you know what I am? I, I mean, I, I always did consider myself more Slytherin, but he, when we did the sorting hat, it came out Gryffindor. But I, I'm embracing it now. I'm embracing it. But honestly, Tilly, the game is unbelievable. I cannot, I cannot sell this game highly enough. It is. It is unbelievable. You get to go to Hogsmeade. Um, I was playing it this afternoon on my lunch break. I, I went past the Gamekeeper's Hut, obviously, where Hagrid was. Um, I've been in the Black Lake. I've been in the Forbidden Forest. I mean, Hogwarts itself is unreal. I mean, I've played about six hours. I haven't even got my broom yet. You get to go to potions class. You get to go to Herbology. You get to grow plants, make potions. I'm learning Defence Against the Dark Arts spells. Tilly, I know you're not a gamer. I don't really compute a game that much at all. You know, like the last computer game console that I really hammered was the PlayStation. You know, things like Tomb Raider and Final Fantasy and Metal Gear Solid games like that. Um, but Tilly, this game is unbelievable. It is, honestly, it's, it's probably one of the best games I've ever played. It really is. It sounds good. really addictive though i think if i started i wouldn't be able to stop and then my life would have to be put on hold for however many yeah. weeks it took to complete the game i mean i, I don't I, I play it in the gaps that i've got but it's amazing um <clears throat> right we better move on otherwise this is yeah, we have. Be yeah. a computer game review show um but it's not it's not uh listeners uh, this week we are going to be talking about only fans um Tilly, do you know what OnlyFans is? I do, but only because I'm not blind in the, and I, I've watched <laughs> the media. Because <laughs> there's been a lot of media coverage about OnlyFans yeah. over the recent years. But um, I, I can't say I've ever been on it or know really what it is yeah. other than a platform for people to post explicit content and people subscribe to it. I, I would say my knowledge is limited to that. Yes, that, that's about it. I wanted to ask you that question just in case any of our listeners don't know. So if, if anyone doesn't know what, what OnlyFans is, it's essentially an, an online 
private social media platform wherein everyday ordinary people and some celebrities are on there as well can have a feed like a social media feed so you've got your like your instagram feeds and your your facebook feeds that you've got where you can post videos and images it's essentially like that but it's locked it's a subscription fee and producers of content on there can charge what they want maybe about 10 pound a month or something um and you can go on there you can have access to that those feeds and those feeds i think it would be safe to say tilly are, are mostly um of the sexual nature, videos and images of a, of an explicit uh, sexual uh, vibe. That that would kind of be a good way of describing it, would it? A, se- a sexual vibe. I presume so. I mean, I can't imagine that there's any other sort of content that would generate that sort of income when you can get non-explicit content on things like TikTok and Instagram yes. and YouTube for for free. So I I imagine that it's it's only explicit content i don't know who knows well for research purposes i signed up to the top 20 different accounts on there it's cost me 420 nice. i have no no that's it imagine if i got caught doing that jeez e, i hope you didn't on. use a work phone or work computer oh, god yeah i did that's what i did i thought and I, and I, well and my excuse when my manager was looking over my shoulder in the office was well she is a social worker <laughs> Okay, before you get struck off, let's confirm that no, you no, didn't use your no, work. No, 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 just to be very clear, I haven't. Um, but someone has. Lots of people are obviously signing up. So some of you guys might have seen this week, we we ran a story on mysocialworknews.com about a social worker who quit our profession in order to pursue um, a career on OnlyFans. Mother of four... 37-year-old Elise Parker had been working as a social worker for 10 years. Working, as many of us will have experienced, long hours, weekends, and under pressure. Uh, she's described the feelings of stress and of never having time for her children, and eventually decided that she needed a change in life. So she thought what she would do is looking to OnlyFans. And the reason she heard about OnlyFans is because one of her son's riding instructors mentioned that someone had bought a horse from their earnings from the site. She began making explicit content around two years ago in March 2021. And by September 2021, just after six months of starting making content, she was earning enough to quit her full time job as a social worker she was earning about thirty thousand pound a year now she earns anywhere between eight thousand to sixteen thousand five hundred a month her annual salary has gone up five times not only has her annual salary gone up five times but she's spoken about feeling less stressed and she has gone to the extent of saying, this is literally my dream life. If you had asked me where I want to be at this age, I would have said this. So she's earning five times her social work salary, earning about £150,000 a year. She's been able to buy four horses, and she's living her dream life, making 
And this is a trigger warning. I, I hopefully none of you parents uh, are listening to this with your children in the car right now. But if you are, if you could kindly point them out the window and distract them or mute for the next 10 seconds, because Tilly, this uh, social worker, ex-social worker, is making what she describes as MILF-related content. Wow. I mean, good for her. I think to to live your best life as she's saying it life is really short and I think if you're stuck in a job or a profession (coughs) that you don't enjoy then actually why don't you just leave and go and do something that you do enjoy and what I really admire as well about um the OnlyFans creators that are out there is they're taking control of their earnings and their sexuality they're not being exploited by these horrendous agencies that I mean in the more traditional sense of the adult content that they would take a huge amount of cuts um, out of um, any profit that that was made from the material and there'd be exploitation and grooming and all sorts of abuse going on on the sets um so the fact that people are actually doing it from the safety of their own homes and they're taking control of their own careers and their marketing and their development, I think it's it's good for them. I, I've got nothing against it. I think it's um it's a, a valid source of income. It's not my cup of tea, but if it's what they're enjoying and they're happy with it, then they're not harming anyone by doing it and, and carry on. She's she's contributing to uh, good society in terms of uh, taxes that I'm sure she's having to pay and her children are obviously reaping the rewards of having a, a living a more affluent lifestyle so yeah I, I'm, I'm impressed by the story I really am. So I've got skin in the game in terms of uh, oh god this, where's this going <laughs> this kind of topic um it's <laughs> all right calm down calm down my head just like my hand oh yeah, yeah my hand is Right, okay, Jenny. Okay, okay, okay. Right. I know you have used the earlier part of this podcast to uh, push something you're producing. Don't worry, I'm not going to do the same. This isn't this isn't my way of saying, well, if you're interested in this kind of content, uh, sign up to Vince's OnlyFans to be explicitly clear, that is not what I'm talking about, okay? You can yeah, rest easy, okay. my friend. That's good. Okay. I'll, um, you can rest I'll, easy. I'll, I'll stop putting my head in my hands. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Now, what I was going to get on to is, you know, Terry, that I used to manage the Bar of a Lap Dancing Club many years ago. And when I did that job, I obviously worked with lots of women. It was, a, you know, exclusively women working there, uh, apart from me. And uh, my friend Sam, who used to run the bar with me, and the bouncers. And I perhaps went into that job not really too aware of, you know, the decisions and the choices uh, behind people who would go into that work. And it really, you know, for the six months that I did that job, it, it really educated me and I really got a newfound insight into that. So not only from my personal experience of, you know, working with people who's been involved in similar industries to what people are now doing only fans, but also in kind of, you know, my own views, you know, in terms of 
ethics and morals. You know, if people want to do that and it's legal, why not? You know me, Tilly, I'm a bit of a libertarian in that sense. You know, as long as what you're doing isn't hurting anybody else, then crack on. It's fine by me. If you're paying your taxes, you're contributing, if there's a business there, crack on and do it. As long as it doesn't affect me, there's no victim, no crime. Just go ahead and do it. The only issue I have with this is we talk about it's not doing harm, but, and here's the but, I do think this does harm on a societal basis. I, I worry that the proliferation of pornography and easily accessed sexualized content via mobile devices is significantly damaging our society. Now, I'm not saying that what this social work is doing is wrong and that she shouldn't do it. That's a different argument entirely because that's what society is. That's the rules that we've got. On a societal level, Tilly, there's a lot of evidence which shows that young men in particular and men in particular are ending up with significantly distorted and toxic views of what relationships should be and what their partners, girlfriends and wives should consent to because of the proliferation of hardcore pornographic material. Is that not an issue to potentially consider here? I think it is. It's a very valid issue. Um, I suppose I would slightly counter it by saying that this sorts of these sorts of pornography exist and it's a lot more accessible than OnlyFans. I mean, at least with OnlyFans, there's a paywall and that if you're subscribing to content, you will have had to input your credit card details and there's some sort of age verification on these other sites. There's nothing like that exists. Anyone child or, or, or vulnerable person can just type in to a search engine and, and so much explicit content comes up with no checks about if that person is over the age of 18 or not. So I think in terms of, of a safety net, OnlyFans is one of the safer sites by the sounds of it. Um, but I mean, I completely hear what you're saying about the the over well, um, the overly accessible sexual content that's out there and how it distorts people's views on what's a healthy relationship and, and what's not. Um, but I think it's going to exist whether we like it or not. And I think that by, I mean, the sex industry is one of the oldest industries of all time. I think it, it, it's happened whether people want to condone it or not, whether it's legal or, or illegal, it still happens. People just move it into different corners of the, the society. So if it is going to happen, then at least in this form, people are in control and they're making money and they're less likely to be exploited than in other forms of, of adult entertainment. Yeah, it's a very valid point, I suppose. At least there's there's a degree of control. And, and and again, that's kind of what I was getting at, but the fact that, you know, this exists and this is where we are in society right now and it is allowed, so we can only play by the rules of what's set before us. But I do, I do tell you, I, you know, I, I do worry, obviously, in, in my role, I, I work with a lot of young parents and the, the impact that pornography is, is having on shaping relationships and, and, and particularly, you know, women feeling they have to consent of things that they don't want to and they're uncomfortable with and having to live up to really unrealistic expectations and, and men's minds being shaping in a negative way because of those expectations. 
it is worrying, and I, and I worry as well about the impact of artificial intelligence on this. We are not too far away from artificial intelligence and, and AI technologies essentially being able to render photorealistic depictions of human beings online that will do and say whatever the people who are on the other end of the computer will want them to do, and it it scares me. It's like a Black Mirror episode, really, and and that's the only thing I worry about. Like, yes, I'm I'm not going to criticize the social worker; it's her choice, and as we've discussed, it's legal, and she is doing that, and there are certain protections. And clearly, she's coming out and said, "I'm not exploiting. This is what I want to do," and she she's happier for it. So you know, you know, well done, uh, and I'm I'm happy for her, but. I just can't be happy on a societal level that this is, I, I do worry about where we're going with this massive proliferation and normalization of sexualized content. It, it, it worries me. It does worry me, Tilly. Yeah, as you say, it, it's like a Black Mirror episode, isn't it? It's not going to be long before um, the, the computers are able to perf- to create content that's, just well it's unthinkable to be honest what they can create it It It, it, it's unlimitless um there is no there's nothing that that sort of moderates that at all and if people are searching for it and people are wanting it and there's an appetite for it it's going to only create then more of it because the computer will do what it wants to get more clicks and and more attention so hmm Dark, be, dark days, perhaps. Yeah, but then, then there'll be me and you cutting about in the Hogwarts grounds, uh, playing Quidditch with one another. So, you know, we'll be on the other end of that. We'll be on the other side of the digital divide. Um, we've spoken a lot about Elise, but we've yet to put this in the context of the fact that she was a social worker. We haven't discussed that yet. So um, we've talked about her being on OnlyFans in general, but... Um, what do you think about being a social worker and being on there? Does that sort of change things for you? Do you think differently because she she was a social worker? Well, I think she's she's quit her job, hasn't she? So she's left the profession. So I don't know if she, I don't know if she's still registered with Social Work England, but she's not a practicing social worker no. anymore. So I think that satisfies the concern that we would have that if if she was practicing I think it we would be having a very different conversation but the let's fact have that, that conversation left. then okay let's have that conversation okay. if Elise was still a social worker still out there working in frontline child protection and on the weekend and evening she was selling MILF related content on all your fans how would that change things if one of your let's put it this way one of your social workers comes up to you Let's let's role play here, Tilly. Okay, oh no, play. not role play no, again. Oh, please, really oh no, please come on. No, oh. yeah, yeah, we do. We do. Come on. It's been a while. It's been a while since you've done this for me. What a whole please. couple of weeks. Okay, fine, fine. About, fine. I'll play. It's been about four weeks since you've ceded to my demands here. Okay, let's just let's just play this out. Okay, so you are playing um, Tilly Baden, the manager. I am playing Vince Piat, the um, the social worker. Roles that we're both familiar with. Are you ready? Okay. Right, so you're in the office. Let's go. Come in. Uh, hi, Tilly. Um, 
you said you've got an open door policy, bit weird. Your door was locked there, I had to knock on it, but whatever. Um, I've got something I need to share with you. Uh, could you take a minute to um, hear me out on this one? Of course. What is it that you need to say? For the past four months, I have been living a double life. I have set up on a website called Only Fans, and I am selling explicit MILF-related content on there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, right, come on, keep going, sorry. So I'm selling MILF-related content on Only Fans. I believe, I've I've just been speaking to HR and the union, they have told me that any second jobs have to be signed off by the manager. I don't know this, it's about four months too late, um, are you okay with me doing this? No, I think we need to have a conversation with HR and you and we need to work something out because I don't think this withstands our professional, oh, you're not upholding the professional code of conduct that you have signed up to as a Social Work England professional. Well, if you'd like to take a look at my phone, there's some examples of what I'm offering. Oh, no, 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 thank you. I don't need to see any of that. Okay, okay. Um, am I still able to go out and do, I've got a child protection conference this afternoon, am I still able to go to that, or are you put me on garden and leave? Sorry, you've got to be on guard and leave until the investigation is concluded. Am I okay to make content during that time out? Well, you might lose your job, but I can't stop you in your personal life. Right, I'm off. So there we go, that's mm. how it'll play out then. That's probably how it would play out. Um, Hopefully with a bit more of a sympathetic manager that was less blunt. But um, yes, ultimately, our Social Work England regulations say that we can't do things like this. Yeah, There's very specific parts in our in our standards around online content and anything yeah. that can bring the profession into disrepute. And I think, unfortunately, OnlyFans content or, or any other explicit content of that nature would fall squarely into things that aren't allowed. There is a recent example of this, Tilly. Would you like me to share it with you? Yep, go on then. As you know, Tilly, I avidly read the Social Work England uh, hearings every week in order to see if there's any stories that could be of interest to the social work community. There's a lot on there, obviously, you know, there's hearings every single day, but I tend to only pick ones that I think people will actually benefit from when there's like a learning element or, you know, pointing out shock and practice that we all need to um, condemn. For every one that we do end up putting into a story on the website, there's maybe 10 or more that I discount. Um, And there was one not that long ago, there was a social worker. I'm not going to give the details of this social worker, but it is public. It is on the Social Work England's uh, website. I'm not going to give any details, but... People can find it on there, so there's nothing wrong on what I'm saying. There was a social worker who was before the professional regulator for uh, advertising herself on a sex worker's website, and she was suspended because of it. And she's suspended pending, I imagine, a review. I can't remember exactly, but it would be six months or 12 months. She's suspended pending a review to see whether She's taken remedial action. So there is a precedent for this kind of thing. Very recently, a social worker was suspended, which is you know the, the first stage towards ultimately being struck off if she hasn't shown remedial action for advertising herself on a, um, a sex worker's website. Mm, I suspect it's, well, I would say it's a common, is it a common thing? Is it? It's a, not common. The reason we didn't run this common? story 
when you read the detail of it, it was a very, very troubling case in terms of there was an ex-partner involved, there was accusations, evidently someone who, who knew this woman was the one that made a referral to Social Work England in a personal capacity. It wasn't from within the profession and there were lots and lots of things going on there that were yet to play out. But the point I'm making and bringing that up is there's a precedent set. There's an obvious precedent set that you simply can't do this. If you're a practicing social worker, there is no way on earth you'd be able to do this, is there? In, in our opinion. Yeah, and I don't think it's even just in our opinion. I think, as you say, it's the precedent set that you can't do explicit material no. and be a social worker. The two are just fundamentally incompatible. What about returning to social work? What if I had gone away, spent two years making milk-related content, I had bought my horses and I thought, right, I'm leaving that life behind me. Um, I want to come back to social work. Given the oh. nature of content being out, even if you take it down, you know, once it's on the internet, it's there forever because people can save it and download it. Do you think that changes the dynamic if you say, well, this is something I used to do, but I don't do it anymore? Or even if you weren't returned to social work, if you were coming into social work the first time, but years before you trained to be a social worker, you were involved in producing explicit content. Do you think that would change the professional regulator's view of your fitness to practice if it was something that you, you, you did do, but no longer do, and perhaps even went so far as to condemn and say, well, I did that, but it's not who I am now. I've really, really changed perhaps even regret doing it. Would that change things? Oh, I think that's a really tricky grey area. And I don't know how that would play out because, as you say, content never disappears. And and can you imagine if, if a future service user or client or person came across that content whilst you were their social worker? But equally, we we want to it's it's not a crime to create this sort of content exactly. and and you haven't done anything wrong by doing so and and if you're not a social worker or in one of those sorts of professions that then then crack on do what you like it's it's i have nothing against the the, the work itself but oh it's it's tricky i don't know because because we, we talk about people in recovery from say substance misuse yeah. or, or mental health problems that that then go on to be amazing social workers mm -hmm. and if you've got lived experience of something then that's only going to make you a stronger social worker but I'm not sure how I, I well I don't know how the regulator would view that I think you'd have to seek advice directly from them it's not as clear cut though is it I think if, you, if you're currently no. doing it it's it's a clear red line I think if you've done it in the past and, you know, maybe even if you've done it 10, 20 years ago, I, I think it could be very, very different, could it? Because ultimately, you know, if a lot of social workers have had interest in pasts, let's put it that way, a lot of social workers who've come to social work late or early in their career, um, you know, they've gone through things in the past and a lot of the time that lived experience can make you a better social worker. I, I what I would like to say on that one and what I would like to see is that in those situations it was taken on a case-by-case -case basis, it would not sit well with me to think that anybody who made explicit content and distributed it online under duress or under their own volition 
many years ago was barred from the social work profession. That for me would not sit well with our professional values, Tilly. It just wouldn't. No. And I think it also then draws into the issues about what if that content was shared without people's permission and things like revenge porn. Um, Because I would certainly hope that if it was even a a current image of of a a social worker that was practicing that was shared by a third party in Mm -hmm. some sort of hack or by a jealous ex-partner or something, that that wouldn't preclude you from practicing because that's been a crime against you. And why should that impact on your career? But again, it's a really, it's another gray area. And I hope that our professional regulator would be sympathetic about it and recognize that people with lived experiences do make good social workers. And we want people to come from all, all different backgrounds and all different experiences to, to help them, help the people that we support let's put this in the context of the people we support then okay would we judge clients and say they were potentially putting themselves or others at risk if they engaged in this kind of work I think it depends on what area you're practicing in within social work because certainly if it's a young person doing this under the age of 18 well that's illegal you're not allowed to do that so that would be a, a, a definite issue that needs to be addressed in my line of work if if it's an adult who maybe lacks capacity to consent to use taking or sharing explicit images or or using the internet or social media in general then that would be an issue that would need to be explored but if it is a an adult that is a person over the age of 18 who is fully aware of their actions and, and has capacity to make that decision and is not being exploited or abused or coerced in any way, then no, no problem with it at all. Let's, let's set it in the context of my work then, because I imagine in my line of work, this is something that will probably come up more often. Yeah. Let's put yeah. it in the context of supporting a family and the children are subject to child protection plans due to, let's pick one of the toxic trio, uh, mental health issues, drug and alcohol issues, or being the victims of domestic abuse or witnessing domestic abuse and it constituting emotional abuse. And the mother in that family is known to sell content on OnlyFans. How do you think that would be perceived if that came out in a child protection conference, in a single assessment, in a parenting assessment, in a section 47? Be blunt here, Tilly. I'm not saying I'm not saying how you would do it, okay? On a wider perspective, how do you think that could potentially be seen when that information was put in? to the child protection arena. And as we know, when you're in that arena, it can be very, very difficult for parents. Their whole lives are laid bare in front of the family members, in front of teachers, in front of health visitors, school nurses, a social worker, an independent reviewing officer. How do you think that, how do you think that might portray in that arena? Well, unfortunately, there's a huge stigma around sex work. And I don't think that that's going to change overnight. And I don't think it would go down well at all. I think that there would be concerns raised about what if the the children got hold of that content or saw or realised what their mum did or um, whether she was 
I don't know exposing them to inappropriate things I think it would ask a lot more questions that I question whether they should be asked in the first place when I see it personally as a valid form of employment and I think you might see it like that and I might see it like that but when you get into that child protection arena, Tilly, you know what it's like. You know you've 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 done it before, and you know I, I do it on a daily basis. It's not just the social worker who's asking questions. When that information comes out, everybody has a voice, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing that teachers are able to talk about and shout up, and health visitors are, and school nurses, and so on. But when everybody has a voice, you, you find additional scrutiny, and if people in that arena and not coming to it from the holistic, perhaps left-leaning base, the liberal base that most social workers are schooled within, I'll be blunt with you, I think this could very easily be seen as a, a, a significant risk put on a child protection plan, and the mum could be told, you've got to stop doing this immediately because you're putting your children at harm. Even if there was no evidence to say that's the case, I hand on heart believe that that's probably a conversation that is very, very likely. And, and to be honest, I imagine it, it probably happens quite often. Yeah, I, I, I suspect that is the sad reality. Yet if that mother was, say, on benefits not working at all, equally questions might be raised for what she's doing to support her family. And I think that's just a, a sign that certainly there's some people in society where women or, or people... Um, who are gender non-conforming don't are disadvantaged and the patriarchy comes into play. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with you. And, and I think, you know, more work needs to be done on this, more education needs to be done on it. And, you know, hopefully conversation like ours, even though obviously we've, we've done it at times in a lighthearted manner when I've, uh, we've, we've rolled, you've allowed me to role play again there, Tilly. Um these are serious subjects that probably aren't given the credence, certainly not in the social work field, because there's always that, 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 there's always that question I would have as a parent, which is, if I'm not doing anything illegal and I'm not proven to be doing anything illegal, what right have the local authority got to come into my life and dictate what I can and can't do when you cannot provide an evidence base which shows that this undermines my parenting and impacts on my children? And yet, at the same time, that's what we do because we don't use beyond reasonable doubt. We use balance of probability. And there is an argument that can be made that on the balance of probability, a parent selling explicit content could potentially put the children at risk because it could the children could get bullied at school for it. The children could be exposed to it. Where are the children at when the parent is making these videos? Is there any risk from obsessive people online seeing this content and then trying to come to the family home? I may not agree with those things, Tilly. I may not agree with having those risks up to that extent, but I can certainly see how an argument could be made to support it being a risk of significant harm. I can. And that's where I think parents need really solid, good legal advice, because I think there's a challenge there under Article 8 of the Human Rights Act, right, right to, to private and family life. And, uh, and as we said, why should the state be well, getting involved in things when I think that is a private and family life matter because it's not a criminal behaviour. And I don't think there is any evidence base there to say that, that the child would be at harm. Obviously, there may be 
other circumstances which mean the child is at harm but just on the nature of the occupation alone should not be enough to constitute child protection proceedings perfectly said perfectly said and do you know what Tilly you've said that that well I'm just going to have to leave the topic there because that is an excellent way to finish um interesting conversation today isn't it and it's it's I'd like to think we've done it justice because it, it it's a very emotive topic, this, because I think on this one, everyone will have polarised views. You know, some people will be dead against it, some people before it, some people like me kind of sit in the middle, you probably more for it than, than, than less against it. It, 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 can be, it can be problematic, this topic, can't it? But I would like to think that hopefully, listeners, we've approached it in, in a sensitive, but at times light-hearted way. What what people probably come, that's kind of our uh, modus operandi, isn't it, Tilly? That's kind of what we are. That could be our tagline. Sensitive conversation with a humorous twist. I like that, yeah. Um, just please be kind. We don't want to be trolled uh, because of our uh, opinions. Uh, uh, we have enough of that. <laughs> we are you know humans what? too. I didn't get any complaints after last week. Didn't you? Oh, that Got must no be a first. Despite you claiming that I would be cancelled for not buying a man a box of chocolates on Valentine's Day, not one complaint. People condoned it. People were agreeing. That's the, basically people were saying, Vince, you've done a lovely thing and that was your choice. Did you have anyone that explicitly contacted you, though, to say, Vince, that was a good choice? No, but no. I, I imagine no. that's okay. <laughs> Don't, you're not meant to call me out, Tilly. You just meant to accept it. No, I imagine, I imagine that's what people were thinking. Um, mm. But, but no, basically, people were ambivalent about it. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's it's always nice to do an episode where we don't get any complaints or there's too many controversies because we, we sure know that we get enough of that. The only people that were bothered, Tilly, were you and the social worker who was left with no chocolates. Uh, well, I see, I'm defending the underdog right to ah. the end. <laughs> on that note listeners thank you ever so much for tuning in once again as always head over to mysocialworknews.com to check out the stories you've been discussing also follow social work news on twitter facebook and instagram also subscribe like and please do leave a review for this podcast if you could find a couple of minutes to do that it would mean a lot to me and we will read out your review on next week's show we'll be back next week with who knows what but hopefully i will be regaling you all with tales of newcastle united lifting the carabao cup until then it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me